Okay, this is the last bit okay. of danger. We just have to get to that gap danger. in the tree. Like, okay. This is the last bit of danger. This week on Walking the Dog, I went to Somerset to visit broadcaster, journalist, and owner of probably the most distinctive and most fabulous voices ever, Mariella Frostrup. Mariella has two dogs, a Yorkie Poo and a Yorkie Maltese Poo, called Katushka and Bomb, and we took them for a walk through her local fields. So I hope you enjoy me being a ridiculous townie and getting absolutely freaked out by cows. I've long been a fan of Mariella since her days as a presenter in the 90s, and I'm obsessed by her Guardian advice column. But I was also interested to chat about her recent BBC documentary, The Truth About the Menopause, which I know so many women found incredibly helpful. Mariella has a reputation for being charismatic and warm, and she really was. But I also loved how open she was. We talked a lot about her slightly chaotic childhood and her party girl years, and how she finally managed to find domestic bliss with her human rights lawyer husband, who, by the way, Helen Fielding apparently calls Mark Darcy. I really hope you enjoy my chat with Mariella and do check out her brilliant Radio 4 podcasts, Open Book and Books to Live By. Here's Mariella. See you in a bit, guys. See you in Bruton. Simone, kick them. They have to leave at 11.20. Yeah. Come on, dogs. Oh, sunglasses. We need Just both dogs, don't we? Yeah, they're both there. Don't you worry. You've got your little friend. <laughs> your little fat friend. He's our little fat fat dog. Bum! And where's Tushki? Oh, there. Okay. So it's Bomb and... Katu- <laughs> well, she's, she's the mother. She came first. She She's a really silly dog, but we were living in the in London then and we were in a sixth floor apartment so we had to have a little dog and uh, my son Dan is as, uh, he's allergic to lots of animal hair yeah particularly to cats right. so we had to get a dog that wouldn't make him allergic in the flat so okay. that's a very long-winded explanation <laughs> for why we got this sort of slightly handbaggish dog who's a Yorkie poo so she's a cross between a Yorkshire terrier hence the sun's coloring and a poodle and then she mated with the stupidest dog in Notting Hill, <laughs> Willie by name, Willie by nature, and created Bomb, who's got the loveliest personality you can imagine, but is thick as two short planks. Well, I wonder if that's why I've bonded with Bomb. <laughs> I absolutely... I'm not making any judgments no. at this point. <laughs> well, you've already said you're suspicious of my... That I'm going to be a slow walker. Yeah, well, you did turn up with sort of black, shiny, patent, almost boots with covered in pearls. It hardly suggests, oh, yes, there's nothing she likes better than a good stump out, does it? <laughs> I, mean, I know, but that's how, that's urban does country. I don't even think that that requires me to be astute, you know. <laughs> I just got pressed. The... Right, we're leaving the gate. I haven't introduced you yet because I think your oh. voice is probably the most distinctive voice I've ever heard. It's the wonderful Mariella Frostrup, journalist and broadcaster. Up here. I call you. Thank you very you much. Call yes, yourself that's that? me. Yes. yes, I do. We don't do presenter. No, ghastly or celebrity. Oh! It's that, although the taxi driver did say to us when oh we said God, we were coming what? here, because we're in Somerset, he said, Oh, I know where that is. A famous person lives there. Honestly, I'm just slightly allergic. You know, I know everyone thinks that the best thing about, you know, working in the media or whatever yeah. is, is, is fame or, mm. you know, some degree of, you know, fame. All um, the cars coming. I actually, you know, aside from 
you know, uh, restaurant bookings and things, which actually I can't even get anymore because I'm so old, they don't think I'm cool. That was very sweet. A lady just passed us in a Land Rover Discovery and I loved her. She looked like the Queen. She, she had a headscarf on. She's fabulous. Who drives a Land Rover with a headscarf except for the Queen? My neighbours. I love her. Yeah, no, she's incredibly sweet. She came to my husband's 50th and um, oh. really enjoyed the tequila cocktails. Oh, did she? Yeah. Um, so tell, you were saying about fame, sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't, I really am allergic to all those bits. I hate... Yeah. Oh, I can't remember, my mother-in-law was telling me something the other day and she was saying, uh, so I hear that, you know, you were at such and such a place and the, oh, at, the, at the osteopaths and then, yeah. you know, they, someone I know was there and he was waiting for ages and then you came out and he thought, oh yeah, you know, the celebrity gets a longer appointment. And the truth of the matter is, I wasn't in there any longer. Yeah. Actually, it was half an hour late for me. Yeah. So, But he hadn't been there at that point. You know, and it's that what... That, that happens to your life, suddenly yeah. the sort of expectation of, you know, grand behaviour and all that rubbish. Well, it's a kind of othering as well, isn't it? It's yeah. that thing of... You're not real. ...setting you apart. And so it means, I suppose, that when you meet someone, normally when you meet people... You're quite fast. I'm, I'm, not, bad. I'm not bad. Yeah, I'm quite impressed, I have to say. Because mm. um, <laughs> normally very few people will walk with me. Well, the other person I... I my personality. But I like to think it's speed at which I walk. Are you quite type A? Well, I'm just always busying. Are you? In a really annoying way. I, What's that about? I think I'm just probably afraid to be left alone with myself and content, in contemplation. I, you don't strike me as that. You strike me as very laid back already. Except for the pace. Now I'm it's not. getting too fast. <laughs> I've done that thing of pretending I'm fine. Now I'm like, oh, my legs. But truly, this is the worst bit of this walk. Is it? This is, this is my daily walk, by the way. Is it? So do you do this every day with the dog? Yeah. And this is the worst, but this is what keeps me sane. I think that, you know, therapy-wise, yeah. walking is the best therapy anyone could ever have I on do. me. You just, all my thoughts, best thoughts come to me when I'm walking, yeah. all the bad thoughts drift off. Yeah. You know, you get sort of oxygen in your lungs, but also in your brain. And you've got um, the boys on, the girls. A boy Not and girl. Boy and girl, bomb. Yeah. And <laughs> they're on leads. Only to go up the road. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, no, we'll be in the fields in a minute. So I hate walking on the road. Now, they have a lovely life here, though, don't they? But you've got to say this is a steep hill because both of us are going to be <sighs> puffing by the time we get to the top of it. And I don't well, want people to think we're not fit. <laughs> you look very fit to me. <laughs> Looks I've is not... your hunters. Hey, I'm not naked, am I? No. So you can't tell. <laughs> so tell me... They're my daughter's you... hunters. Oh, they're your daughter. I met her. She seemed lovely. <laughs> so tell me about uh, your, when you were growing up. Did you have pets then? We've always had dogs, yeah. Have you, did you? We had cats sometimes, but not very often. Because you were in Norway originally. Um, in Norway, I didn't have, we didn't have pets there because we lived in a six-floor apartment very similar oh, really? to the one that I ended up in in London, weirdly. Yeah. Um, no, in Norway we didn't, but when we came to, to Ireland from the minute we were there, yeah. we, had, we actually used to have elk hounds, which are, you know, Scandi dogs. Um, and we started with them and then we... They, they got more and more mutt-like yeah. as the years went by and we had dead puppies. And, and then uh, I, I started having dogs when I was really quite young, yeah. actually. When I was about 20, I think I got my first oh, did you? dog of my own. Which is quite unusual, especially back then. Well, I was just trying to nest, you know. Do you think so? Oh, definitely. I got married to 
my first husband when I was 18. Then we got a cat and a dog. Yeah. Then we got a second dog and then we split up. And then my mother got all the pets. Oh really, oh that was good. <laughs> she got to, but so when you, you came over to Ireland with your family, you were like six, weren't yeah. you? Yeah, we moved to Ireland when I was six. And your dad was a journalist, your mum was a painter? Yes. So yes. from what I've heard about your childhood, I relate to it quite a lot because I moved around all the time with quite bohemian artist parents. You're not old enough to have 70s parents, though, yeah, are you? Yeah, I am. They're 70s. Really? Good makeup? So, yeah, good makeup. <laughs> no surgery. I've decided not to do Come that. No, definitely not. Why? Well, I look at you and you're my inspiration Come on, on that dogs. Front. Well, I wouldn't do that. I look like a you know, beaten up old crisp bag. No, but, the, you don't. but I just think I'm quite realistic. Oh, well, I don't know how to do oh, the country gate. Oh, for God's sakes, you take Girl, someone you out of the city. There, there, I did it. She's trying to get through a kissing gate. It's really not that complicated. <laughs> but it is. You it go doesn't through. It has a bit of a lock on it. Okay, so, I did it. Okay, it is a bit harder than okay, the normal wooden you. ones. I shamed myself. Come on, we're going off the lead now. Come on, Bob. Come on, you two, let's go. There yes. is a shorter version of this, but I sort of think You've done that, yeah. you might as well have the nice walk. Oh, lovely. Yeah, so I know what it's like to have those, that sense of, yeah, the 70s parents where it was... All about that. There was no structure. Yeah. You know, that's the thing I always describe it as... It, it wasn't the, that notion of you becoming the frame when you have kids. No. And the kids were coming the picture. My parents were always the fright, were always the picture, you know. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Like you listen to parents now, you know, and that, you know, I count myself among them, ridiculously sort of scurrying around after their children. Yeah. And uh, you know, I just, in fact, today I was just thinking, my, my daughter has a friend staying, and I just made them both breakfast and I tea bacon and everything. And bacon and avocado because they had eggs yesterday. Lovely millennial feast. <laughs> and I suddenly thought. What am I doing? Make they're fifteen, both of them. Why am I here, like skivvying away, making them breakfast? They should be up there doing it themselves. But I, you know, I think there is a, a tendency, isn't there, with twenty-first century parenting, to just run around like. And my brother was talking to me the other day, and he said I was quite good at tennis when I was a kid. This yeah. is my youngest brother. Yeah. There's five of us. Because you've got four siblings, haven't you? Yeah. Five. Well, five altogether. Yeah, including you. Yeah, and uh, he said. Uh, no, I've got six. Oh. Anyway, I've got a brother who lives in Ireland. But, sorry, I was trying to do the maths and talk, and I can't really do maths very well. And um, he said, I was really good at tennis. And I said, why didn't you play it then? You know, because I don't ever remember you playing. He said, well, Mum couldn't be bothered to bring me. And I thought, God, you know, that you was so now? different. And now it's like, my child is brilliant at tennis. I've got them, you know, logged into the county <laughs> championship or whatever, you know, yeah. things like that. You know, they just didn't bother. I don't well, know if it was better or worse, to be honest. I can remember my mum saying, I said, Mum, how come I can't ride a bike and everyone else can? And she said, my mum was an actor, and she went, oh, bikes are vile things, darling. <laughs> <laughs> and, it just sort of, and then she just stuck up a cigarette and then just had wine and got on with her day. Oh, the barbed wire, well done. Yeah. You no, avoided that. Usually, um, in a minute, you get a lovely view down... This over um, the levels and you'll see Glastonbury tour well oh, you wow. might do it's a little bit cloudy so this is quite near well, the Glastonbury festival where that takes place yeah you it? can actually hear it when the wind blows in the wrong direction do you guys go then yeah I've never been before we moved down here but yeah. you sort of feel that you're so beset by it yeah that you might as well go if you know what I mean sadly we're not in the very small area yeah where um 
Oh, well, you get the tickets for free. It's literally, do they give we're you tickets? We're just outside. No, not us. We're outside the Oh, but they normally do. That. That's the... No, for a sm- uh, there's a for small, small area just just immediately outside of um, Glastonbury at Pilton and around there. We're just outside. They used to go as far as Stony Stratton, which is <laughs> only a, a mile down the road. It's heartbreaking. I like that, though. It's the equivalent of the neighbours saying, we're having a party, do come. Yeah. Because they know the noise yeah. is going to be unbearable. Um... So, yeah, so because of your bohemian... I had a theory about your peripatetic childhood, though, moving around a lot. Yeah. Which is... I'm all ears. Well, it's something I... I People have commented on with regards to me, and I think it makes you adaptable. And I also think what it makes you... You're you're seen as quite charismatic and you're easy to get along with and you're good good with people. And I think you have to be in that kind of childhood because... Most people have maybe five or six times in their life when they form significant friendships. And we had to do that about 100 times. Before we were 16. Yeah. I went yeah. to, like you, seven different schools. Really? And I was like, oh, I'm going to have to make new friends. I'd better be nice. And now, I don't <laughs> know. Have you got children? No. My... So now, I, with my own kids, yeah. I've developed the absolute... I've got an absolute mortal dread yeah. of moving them in any shape Have or you? form. So even when they had to move from junior school, nice poo in our yeah. face. Um, <laughs> even when they had to move from sort of junior school to secondary school, I was like, oh God, it's yeah. going to be really disruptive. Yeah. Poor things, you know. And, and truly, those are the things that make you resilient, really. You I know. think so, but it's that balance, isn't it? My sister, my late sister, actually, she had kids, so I spend a lot of time Your with late them. sister? Yeah, she died. I'm so was, sorry, what happened? I know, she got cancer. Oh. And, she had a 10-year-old, but the baby Bertie was only... My sister died just a week after she turned one. So oh. she never... But you know what? My sister... There is that sense of being... I know what she would have wanted, in, in a sense, because I know we ex- had the same childhood. So it was things like, we are not moving from this house. My children are going to go to the same school. Then, you Because know, you want that for your... Children. Children, yeah. don't you? Yeah, you totally do. And you know... I mean, I just remember how desperate I used to feel yeah. every time, you know, I saw the bags starting to be packed yes. again, you know, yes. and just thought, oh, no, not again. <laughs> I really liked Leah. I actually thought I had a really good friend and she let me ride her pony. You know, not yeah. again, please, you know, but anyway. But this is why your little black shiny boots you with the so pearls. So Mariella <laughs> looked... This is like Glastonbury on a very bad year. It's about I three mean, foot deep. I Mariella looked at me like... <laughs> It was a bit like a sort of... It would be a performance that would win a BAFTA if someone was in sort of um, the Medea or something. You'd think, oh, my God, the horror. She really conveys the horror. I did think slight misrepresentation. Will you do a podcast where you go for a, a walk in the country? I mean, you might as well have turned up in a pair of stilettos, frankly, for they would have been that much use to you. Luckily, we have Wellingtons you know, you know. for every, every foot size. I know, I know. It's so beautiful here. This yeah. is like if I was bringing if I was bringing an American and they said I want to see England, I'd bring them here. I love it. It's so lush. You probably and have green done that. And rolling. <laughs> it's and, stunning. And I always think that this bit here looks a bit like in the beginning of Babe, the <laughs> film. <laughs> it's it's very Lord of... of the Rings, isn't it? As yeah. Well. Yeah. It's got. It looks almost CGI. I think it feels. Um, what I love about it is it just feels sort of ancient. Yes, it does. You know, like it's it's like, like sort of old, yeah. old land, and you feel yeah. connected to history when you walk it. In a it's way, it's so lovely here, Mariella. God, I can see why you fell in love with it. <laughs> um, 
and, and sorry, going uh, no, back. No, that takes us back to your childhood because. Oh, must we? No, we've got to do it. Oh. You know we have to. Okay, we've got to brave the cows now. Oh my God! Try we're not going to be afraid. <laughs> with cows. Yeah. I've been reading stories. They look quite lazy today, though. They look. They're all right. Yeah, they're sleepy. Well, the dogs save us. Well, I did hear that apparently the the most important. No, the dogs won't save us. What do us. we do if they come near us? We, I flick my lead at them. Should we? I'm just going to follow you. There's a bat. Yeah. Don't worry. I flick my lead at them and cows. I shout very loud, which I hope you'll edit out because okay. it is quite terrifying when I do it. But needs must, if in you know any I mean, they're danger. Like predators, but are they? <laughs> <laughs> they don't look like predators, do they? Just lying scattered around the field. I mean, sort of. They're shit predators. If they're predators, very lazy. I don't but, think they'd survive if they were predators, <laughs> do you? But why do they attack people then? Just because they're like territorial hostility? Yeah, they're well, it's dogs mostly. They don't really attack people. Oh, oh that's fine then. I love people. these dogs, but I haven't bonded yet. But they are lemon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Good, your heart. Hardcore. Hardcore London bitch. <laughs> um, they, they, oh, they say yeah. that you shouldn't keep dogs on the lead in a field full of oh. cows because the dogs will escape the cows. Really? But you, with them on a lead, might not, so it's much better to just, you know. Oh, okay. No, and you must show them. no fear. Oh, yeah, okay, good. so just show People me your... People always say that about horses. I'd be London, like I'm on the Northern Line waiting for a train when I was 14 at Camden. Like I'm not scared of anything. People always say about horses, you've got to show them who's boss. Treat them badly. I'm like, I don't like horses. It no. feels like you're starting off on a negative level, which is... Let's be inauthentic. Let's subjugate you. <laughs> Let's subjugate. It's a very sort of colonialist approach, isn't it? I think there's a lot to marry between oh, horse well, riding and colonialism. The cows don't, don't... No, we've got another field to the go. The cows seem very uninterested No champagne in us. yet, <laughs> Mrs. Shiny Boots with pearls. The cows don't seem to care at all about us, and now I find them strangely alluring, <laughs> which says a lot about me. Yeah, but that's, you shouldn't say that because you're tempting fate, yes, and we've yet right. to go through this field full of young bullocks, quite oh. a lot of them, actually. There aren't normally that oh, many. Yeah. Don't, don't panic, just stick together. To a field with bulls. They're this not is... bulls, they're bullocks. Oh, my God. This is... Okay, Mariella, please. Now, what I am going to do, though, which yep. I don't normally, is we're going to stick to the edge of the field so that we can jump over that fence if we need to. God, you're so brave. Oh, I am. The dog's going up to the cow. Is this OK? Well, it's stupid of the dog, but there's not much I can do about him because he is stupid, I told you. You're quite sort of hardy and outdoors. <laughs> you are, though, aren't you? I mean, do you know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I think I'm, this image of you was so incorrect, and I've always known that because I think that's very what, much to do with the way you it, girl. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was kind of like because you were blonde and conventionally beautiful and still are. It's that idea that, well, um, that's all. That's her thing. That's her currency. Do you know what I mean? Um, I do. I do know and what I you mean. I think you've successfully changed that assumption no, about you. I haven't changed it. It's only because yeah. I'm old. No, it's not. And now you can't be sexy and old. <laughs> so one of them had to go and I'm not dead. So I'm not sexy. <gasps> oh, he's wearing up, Mariella. It's all right. It's I don't like Look, him. Can I t give you a tip? Yeah. Look underneath. You see? Yeah. Udders. Oh, okay. That's what? a she. Oh, that means she's nicer. <laughs> yeah. Slightly nicer, <laughs> hopefully. They don't look very, um, they look quite lazy today. Don't look at me I like don't, that. They give us dirty looks. They're not like the ones in the butter ads. <laughs> They're cast especially for their cuddliness, <laughs> don't you know? Are they, the sort of, are they the sort of Kylie Jenners of the cow world? <laughs> totally the Kylie Whereas Jenners. These ones are a bit rough and ready. Yeah, these are your, like, real... Dairy herd. 
Oh, this one. Oh, I don't like these ones. It's all right. Don't okay. you remember what we said? It's Camden when you were a child. Okay. You just show no fear. You can tell I'm the oh eldest God. of five, can't you? Don't worry. Look, it's pretty, that one. I quite like it. Oh, I like that one. It's got a big stomach. <laughs> That's why they're not moving, because they're really full, I think. They don't bother with the... Uh, they don't get beach body ready, and I respect them for that. No, they're but we're lucky, actually, because they aren't they're... bullocks. I thought they were, but they're, they're oh, all... That was the dog. I thought one yeah, was they're charging. they're all dairy cows. Okay, this is the last bit okay. of danger. We just have to get to that gap danger. in the tree. Like, okay. This is not bit of danger. <laughs> you've, man you've managed to get through the mud. Really this has I'm, been a really life I'm very into life experiences now. <laughs> um, what okay. do you mean now? I'm gonna well, I'm more carpe diem, I think. So right. when you go through loss, and I know you went through it at a young age, yeah. you lost your dad when you were 15. What age were you and your sister died? I was, so I'm 49 now, and she died when I was, uh, I would have been 41, and she was two years older. So I oh, think what happens so with... sad. You're very... I know you've been very resilient and all that, but that's just hard. Well, I've processed it, and my, my parents died just after her. But you know what, Mariella? You have a choice when that happens. Don't you? you sort yeah. of... It's very extreme. And I do think losing your dad at 15, which you did, because your parents... When you came back here, did you... You moved in with your mum, and then you had a bad experience with her boyfriend, who wasn't great, it sounds oh, like. I lived What's with my mum after my parents grew up when I was eight. Yeah. And, um, but, and I lived with her, stayed with my mum for a few years until yeah. I was about 12. Yeah. But, yeah, I just didn't get on at all with my, you know, stepfather. With your stepdad, yeah. Commas. Yeah. Um, and um, so I went to live with my dad. But, unfortunately, he was in the grip of... Um, a very strong uh, addiction to alcohol. So, um, yeah, it just wasn't really very feasible. So I left again and... Were you conscious of that at the time or was it only afterwards it almost occurred? Do you know what I, I mean? I didn't really know about alcoholism yes. because Ireland was full of people yeah. who drank a lot. Yeah. And I just thought he liked being in the pub. But when it got to the point when he'd split up with my stepmom, who was fabulous and yeah. I really liked, <laughs> and we were living in this rented house way out on the outskirts. Is it just you two? Just he and I, and he wasn't even, didn't seem to be going to work very much. Right. And the kitchen was just full of dirty dishes, and it was just very, very depressing. I sort of realised something was wrong. And I was, at that point, still determined to finish school. You know, I was about 14 and a half, and I really wanted to... So I thought, well, I'll go back to my mum, but um, that didn't really work out either. Yeah. So then I got it, then I was very lucky. And these two lovely lesbian sisters <laughs> took me in and gave me a room in their maisonette by the seaside in Dunleary. And yeah. I lived there for a bit with them. And then, I, and, then, and then when my father died, which was only about six months after I moved out. And had you seen him to, but after you'd moved out? Well, I'd bumped into him in a pub, funnily enough. Really? Um, a, a couple of, about three months after I'd moved out. And it was, that was actually the most upsetting thing, really, because, yeah. um, A, I shouldn't have been in the pub, but he didn't seem to notice. Yeah. B, he, um, he sort of said that he'd seen, because I had literally sneaked out with a suitcase. Really? And um, he said that he'd seen me go but he just hadn't been able to stop me because he knew oh. he couldn't change. And so it was sort of, yeah, but horrible I'm, because you, you sort yeah. of felt, I, you know, I think then for a long time that really affected of the sort of men I was attracted to. You know, at yeah. first I was trying to fill the big space of my dad. Because he then, sounds like, you know, and my dad was similar in that, I don't know if it was similar, but it sounds like my dad was a journalist and a charismatic intellectual. I'd see him using these incredible words and painting pictures with them. And that does, that's a big person, but those people have a tax on them, don't they? Yes, 
Yes. And, and Did you I, find that with your choices then sometimes? You were but kind of... I was just, because I hadn't managed in my own little, you know, immature brain to yeah. save my father, yeah. I, I sort yeah. of thought, oh, well, you look like you need saving. <laughs> I'll have a go with you then. And um, yeah, that's not really the best way to pick a boyfriend. No. <laughs> and it took me a really long time, you know. I mean, yeah. I actually think the reason I was so late to, well, uh, my second marriage and motherhood, I just kept pick picking the most unlikely candidates and they would also be attracted to me because, you know, I had all the dysfunctions that they were after, you know. But then I think you were probably being responsible, which not everyone is, that you thought something inside you thought, I'm not ready to bring a child into the world yet. You know, because presumably that could have happened earlier. Well, I, I think that there's, I was listening to some um, uh, sort of late teens supporters of Extinction Rebellion the other day. Yeah. And they were saying things and, that I totally recognised from being a teenager myself. There's lots of these kissing gates, but you see this oh, one I doesn't like have a complicated um, locking thing. Yeah. Um, because, you know, when I was in my sort of late teens, there was still this threat of the Cold War. We yeah. all thought we were going to be blasted yeah. to... Um, you know, in a Sting, nuclear like Armageddon. The love their children too. Yeah, <laughs> and we just, you know, every morning you'd listen to the news yeah. to make sure that it hadn't, the nuclear holocaust hadn't yeah. happened overnight. And now listening to, the, and so when I was in my late teens and all through my twenties really, I, I, I had absolutely no intention at all of having children. I was like, really? why would you bring children yeah. into this terrible world, yeah. you know? And, and I was listening to these kids the other day and they were saying exactly the same thing. And I just thought, it's so sad, you know, we're, yeah. we're such, we're, we're really like hamsters on a wheel, humanity. Yes. Yeah. We just go round and round and round doing the same things and never seeming to actually progress past points where, where, our, where our, you know, emotions let us down, yeah. you know? It's true, isn't it? Well, I think you have to, I, I mean, I would believe this now, but I think only some sort of seismic change in your life, and I think it can happen, I think in your case, I'm sure the bereavement, without realising it, that would have, re at the time, you know, because you ran away, essentially, didn't you? And you yeah. came to London, and as you say, you got married to Richard, Richard Jobson, who was yes. a massive sort of heartthrob at the time. <laughs> How old were you when you married him? 19? 18? Um, 18. God, 18. Yeah. And, and then we divorced at 20. I divorced at 21. Yeah. But I love Richard. He's, oh. I mean, he's been my friend probably longer than How almost nice. anyone. Really? Um, you know, he got married again and yeah. he had two great kids. And um, in fact, I'm seeing him this evening. How nice. Because um, a friend of ours died and we're going to the memorial. Oh. So, yeah, it's been, you know, I, I just think, I'm always surprised. You know, I mean, I know when, when you split up for really difficult reasons, yeah. you know, infidelity or, yeah. you know, some kind of addiction or violence, you know, which is un unfortunately all too common. Yes. Then I can see why yeah. friendship yeah. isn't possible. But, you know, in the vast majority of cases, people split up because someone else isn't making them happy. Yeah. And truly, you know, that is our individual responsibility. And I think so many people split up, especially in my lifetime, so many of my friends have have split up, you know, when they were, you know, around now, really, around yes, 50. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you see them get into these other relationships and you think, it's not, I mean, you feel happier for a minute because yeah. everything's new, but you can see already that it's going to become the same sort of relationship all over again. Yes. So, you know, sometimes I really do think you're better with the devil you know. I know. Well, I think that's... Because you go in and out of different phases in your life you and know? I used to watch my dad doing that that he would leave what you know they're always slightly identical women they were glamorous brunette 
media professionals of some status of some sort, you know, and I would think, why well, is this one going to be any different? Yeah. Do you know I mean? It's like you're just carrying your shit into the next relationship. It's that thing of not having a break either. But it's like the definition of madness, isn't it? Yeah, to, yeah. To, to keep repeating the same action and expecting a different result. And yet somehow, as soon as it's about emotional relationships, you know, and particularly sexual relationships, yeah. you know, romantic relationships, people suddenly seem to think it's okay to be really stupid <laughs> about, about the potential outcomes. You know, if you behaved like that in any other area of your life, You'd be really worried about yourself. Have you made your job choices like that? or? But that's what's interesting is that I think we don't really get properly schooled in this unless you're lucky enough to have a mum. I'm sure you talk to your daughter openly about stuff like this, but not everyone I try and she puts her fingers in her ears and goes, <laughs> You're dead. <laughs> but I think that's... It's difficult because I, all I was taught, and you and I probably had the same... I was taught... A version of the rules, I suppose, which was don't call a guy, hard to get. Oh, I was taught that. I mean, I read that in Cosmo, but I yeah. never, ever was Did able... Did you never behave like oh, that? Oh, I was terrible. I was pathetic. <laughs> don't leave me, please. Don't leave me. I mean, really. You know, we'd only been going out three days. <laughs> I, was, I was awful for such a long time. And it made... <laughs> And it, it makes me that laugh. woman they told their friends about. You know that, the psycho. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, I was only a, a couple of degrees away from bunny boiling. You know, I wasn't, I, I didn't want to harm anyone. I just didn't want to be left. But it's so weird that you can look back now. I mean, I listened to that and I think, well, it, it, you know, it doesn't take my expensive therapist to work out what was going on there in relation to your dad. I said, please don't leave me yeah. to every man you met. And I had my dad left, he left and got on a plane to New Zealand and left us notes when I was about 13. You're joking. And well, I had the same That's thing. almost the same as dying, you know, yeah. I mean. And it did feel like that and I had the same thing. There was this poor bloke, <laughs> sort of some Highgate boy with Hugh Grant floppy hair going, oh, yeah, do you want to go on a date? And then I was Marry like, me! <laughs> I was like, you, you haven't called me? And this has been like an hour? And then of course he went running. And I was just like, I just, I'm so upset. I can't talk about this breakup. I mean, it was literally. I know, I'm and we're laughing, but I think Queen that Victoria that, widows black. For think a year. of that poor child that you were, and yeah. how desperately needful you were of, yeah. of you know, love and and a male figure that you felt was strong and was going to. Look you know, save you, you yeah. and look after you. You know, and then I suppose as you get older, you realise no one's going to save no. you. Um, and. I mean, look, I think now I sound much more um, resilient and yeah. and functional even than, than I really am. I think I got lucky, you know, I married someone very reliable. Yeah. I chose a different kind of man, you know, because before I used what to... What made you choose that? Why were you able to break the pattern? Because most <laughs> people aren't married. Was it? Well, I was nearly 40. I was 39. Yeah. And I suddenly realised that the thing that I actually really most wanted... The two things that I most wanted, which were a stable relationship, which I'd been looking for ever since my father died, and having my own children, which I'd, you know, started thinking I wanted when I was in my sort of early mid-30s, that neither of them were going to happen. You know, I was 39 and it was, the 40th birthday was looming, which I think for most people is a, and getting louder. is a kind of watershed <laughs> moment. It is, yeah. Especially for women, or particularly for women. Yeah. And I just thought I'm going to do things differently this year and see what happens. So I did all kinds of 
crazy things. You know, for me, I took six weeks off yeah. in my job in London and went and worked as a sort of guide at a kind of boot camp in Brazil. You know, up and down, hiking up and down. That's why I like a hill and a storm. Yeah, yeah. But no, I mean, is I, this I pace all right, by the way? I can go faster if you'd like. <laughs> Show off. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> right. I can just about keep. I can. I'm going faster. <laughs> no, that um, sounded like I was saying. God, is this the pace you walk at, you loser? <laughs> I just felt bad. I was urbanising your walk. No, no, yeah, no. So this is on. this. You're you're doing incredibly well. You're Am doing I? much better. My... Do you know why that is, Mariella? Right. Because since I've got a dog, yeah, which I did. After, as a result of grief, essentially, I genuinely thought I need this every day. I need to walk, and, and I do it. I don't wear the boots for the walk, but um, well, you don't have to in Hampstead, no, do you? This is there, you see. <laughs> but you know, I would sort of, I sort of think it's grounding, and it and it fights off black dog. Yeah, I, mean, like, tell, you know. I think it really does. I mean, yeah. I've always been lucky in that I don't think I definitely don't have a sort of kinder clinical tendency toward depression but I can easily see how I could slip into melancholy really yeah and I think that for me you know I just know that getting outside is such a huge part of it if I'm stuck in the city for a couple of days and I, even there I walk but it's not quite the, the you do know, you the walk same alone thing. with the dogs or do you usually go with Jason your husband Jason or with the kids very hard to prize him out of the house. To He's be like Jason. Can I just say I know about him? He goes on a stair climber thing in the house, and then like we live in the <laughs> middle of Somerset. <laughs> We've got fields everywhere and footpaths. It's a, I mean, it's a, it's a rambler's county. It's brilliant. And also, you met him at the top of a mountain and I during met him a trek, walking the blooming, you know, <laughs> the foothills of Everest. And now I can't get him off his, you know, cross trainer or whatever it's called. So no, I moved here partly because one of my oldest best friends who. I share a birthday with, yeah. she's a year younger. She, yeah. doesn't, she doesn't look it. <laughs> <laughs> I always say that to her. Um, she, she married, um, she met just a couple of years before I met Jason. She met Don McCullen, you know, the, oh, yeah, photographer. the photographer. And, and he's lived wow. down here for 30 years. And she, or more than that now, 35, yeah. 36 years. And they got married and I'm godmother to their son. And oh, they, they live across the field. That's so so nice. she is. She's always been my walking buddy. Like we used to go on walking holidays. I feel holidays. stressed though taking selfies with Don around. Uh, you can't. Do, 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 no. I took a picture of Don yesterday. We were doing <laughs> apple gathering in the orchard, and he was being so bossy. Like, no, no, the sun is <coughs> shining too strongly that way, Mariella. Over there. I said, God, so much pressure. <laughs> anyway, I love him. So when um, you, I want to talk about your career because when you must we we have to. I'm oh. afraid. Um, it's out in the country. This is, that's the one thing I try not to think about when I'm going for a walk. Yeah, because it's just too depressing. Well, it's not depressing. <laughs> I think it, you know what? I think why I respect and admire you and why I'm so keen to chat to you is I think I love the fact, we're going to talk about your menopause documentary, which I watched because I had my head in the sand about that. And because I really like you, I watched do. it. Oh, and thank I you. thought, you know what, I'm going to deal with this. It's not an inconvenient truth. It's, it's going to happen and the problem is in the process. But I think what I love about you is that women, I think for so long, it was this idea about disappearing, you know, after 35. You know, you're invisible. That's it. You've got to, and you haven't done that. And I love that. But you know something? Thank yeah. you for saying that. Yeah. It is a struggle. Is it? Because. People want you to disappear. Do you think so? Oh, yeah. There's a huge pressure to just quieten down, step aside, you know, and, and I feel it really quite strongly. And I'm in a sort of dichotomy about what you do about it, because on, 
on the one hand, of course, you know, you want there to be opportunity and space for generations coming up. Yeah. But at the same time, over 50% of the population is made up of people my age and beyond, 50 yeah. plus. Yeah. And you cannot disappear for generations. People who are probably going to live, well, two generations really, I'm exaggerating, but, um, but people who are going to live possibly until their mid-90s, even 100, you know, because of, you know, the longer lives. Yeah. And people who are expected to work until they're 70 years old. And yet, you know, the minute you hit sort of your mid-50s, really people are just waiting for you to just go, okay, sorry, yeah. sorry, I didn't realise um, that I was in the way and I'll just pop off back to the country. Okay? We've come for you, you now. Know. Yeah, and... And, and when know, you look at the BBC, when you hear... I'm always shocked when I hear the average age, which is late 50s or something, I think, BBC One. It's a really... And you think, well, why are there always 22-year-olds? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's really and why, why aren't they making programmes? I mean, they were so... You know, I'm eternally grateful to Charlotte Moore for commissioning that. The that menopause, menopause doctor. She's the head of. Is she the she's the head of sort of television, yeah, at basically BBC, there yeah. at the BBC. And uh, but in, you know, it did it's take. She's a woman. Isn't yes, she? and it, but it took three years, and she kept sending me off to these young, young male commissioners who would go. <laughs> I mean, they you could barely they like could barely contain their the repulsion, yeah. and then. You know, she finally said, right, that's it. I'm going to commission this. We're going to make it and that's yeah. it. But, you know, the fact that it should take that sort of intervention to make a programme aimed entirely at your core audience yeah. is, is just really shocking to me. And it, it's exactly the same, I think, at the moment with this, you know, obsession with the under 35s, the under 35 yeah. audience, you know, yes, I understand that Spotify and all those places are actually threatening you know, radio, you know, because kids yeah. get their music when they want it, where they want it. But I think that the BBC, that's not the audience, you know, that's not what we pay the licence for. We're not paying the licence for teenagers to get their playlists. Yeah. We're paying the licence fee so that the sort of programming that wouldn't be made by a commercial station yeah. is still made. Is this, this is my neighbour's house. Oh. Not, not Catherine's. Oh, the stream is beautiful, Maria. This is the mill pond where um, the kids oh. swim in the summer. I love it here. So, when you were... I mean, it's interesting, because we're talking about how things are now, but you worked in PR for 10 years. I love that you helped organise Live Aid, didn't I you? I didn't. I mean, that was a gross exaggeration was of it? my involvement. Is it? I was part of, yeah, a gross <laughs> you exaggeration. You just carrying a flip, clipboard and smoking and saying, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, basically. And if Bob Geldof heard you say that, he'd be like, oh, fucking killer. What the? You know, but he says um, that if you take his parking. Yeah, he, he says, says that, that about lot. everybody. Yeah. And, 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 um, and he'd be right about me. No, he's an old friend, cousin. Yeah, yeah. But I was just part of a sort of... I did his PR yeah. for a while and he used to basically steal my desk at the record company. Oh, really? Um, to sit and make all his phone calls, cajoling people into doing it. And then yeah. I was part of the team. I was there on the day of Band-Aid. You know, I was the yeah. PR that day, along with my boss, Chris. And then, um, and then there was a big team of, of kind of, I think it was about 10 of us yeah. uh, for Live Aid. So yeah, I did it, but I certainly didn't organise yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> but you were very much a sort of mover and shaker at that point and, you know, in that music world, which very much in, I remember that being an incredible, the job 
sort of a lot of young women wanted to do. It just felt so glamorous. There was a lot of money sloshing around. Oh, it was amazing. I mean, it couldn't have been a better. For a young girl, just off the ferry from Ireland, to suddenly find yourself at sort of 19 years old with an expense account, flying to LA every two minutes, you know. I mean, it was just, it was incredible. and, And the amount of money and the sort of, yeah, the decadence of it was extraordinary. Um, but I was, fortunately, at that point, like I probably would have really got into it in my 30s. Yeah. But at that point, I was very sensible. Were you? Yeah. But you're so, not a party girl, sort of, you know. No, I mean, I, you know, I'd taken drugs in my life. Yeah, but yeah. really, no, not really. Nothing yeah. compared to, you know, what Some I was surrounded the, yeah, by. Yeah, exactly. Um, I was very rarely drunk. Um, I was just, you know, I was... I was I was the one with the clipboard yeah. going, right, you be 40, behave yourselves. Yeah. You know, I mean, they used to send me funny... I remember once on... I can't remember which birthday. must have been my 21st, I think. They sent me a card, you yeah. be 40, saying, would you like to have our baby? Mm-hmm. Which is a terrifying thought, if you think about it, because I think it was 12 of them. But they, <laughs> they all had hundreds of children. But, you know, I was always... They used to laugh yeah. at me, all my bands, because they used to think I was... Patsy Kensett d- describes me, she said, you know, you were so bossy. <laughs> and, and she said, you always, I mean, this is an exaggeration, she said, you always used to wear suits and, and, she said, and stockings. And she said, I was so frightened of you. <laughs> she said, it's a sort of dominatrix. Like, Glenn Close and damages. <laughs> like. But, you know, you were, were you aware that your beauty was a currency? Do you know what I mean? That... Definitely not in my 20s. Really? Definitely not. In my 20s... Do people tell you you're beautiful? What, then? You know, yeah. No. No. But no, you must I don't, have been aware of my girlfriends would go, I don't know what's wrong with you, you look gorgeous. And I'd yeah. go, I can't go to the party because I... And I had terrible... Not terrible. I had weight issues right. in my 20s. I used to go up and down yeah. with my emotions. Yeah. And so, you know, a lot of my 20s I, I spent feeling incredibly fat. Yeah. Though when I look back at pictures of myself I now, I think, what? Yeah, I you think know, now. But I, think... I did definitely, you know, it's only since um, I had my children that my weight is just completely kind of regulated. Look, can you see up there oh, on the look. hill? You see, you'll see things moving. Oh, that's Don's that? three guinea fowl. They're hilarious. No. They walk down, they're like the local thugs. They walk down the hill towards my house, three abreast on the road, and they're going, Wah! and they make the most terrible racket. They're worse than pheasants. And, uh, and, and you ha- you're kind of almost nervous of them. It's like a scene out of the Fonz or something. Oh, where are they? Oh, good, more they're, danger. They're up there now. You see them on the right. No, they, they don't the attack. Cows. They're guinea fowl for crying out The attack out of the killer cows. But that's my neighbour. That's Don and Catherine's house. Oh, so how lovely. just across the field from me. Oh, this makes me want to move here. I love it here. Um, so go on. So after that, yeah, you then, how did you get into TV then? Because my first memory memory of you was on a show called The Little Picture Show. Sure, yeah. And it was, I remember thinking, oh, that woman, like, you had this Not incredible her again. voice. <laughs> no, I just thought, you was, I just thought, God, that's what I want to be. Like, look at her, she's got this beautiful voice and she's so glamorous. And But I think I always felt you were articulate and intelligent. And it really struck me that I thought, oh, you can look like that and be clever. Do you know what oh, I mean? I'm so glad you're I saying that. I found that, that quite though, inspiring. Because you sort of think that we all know that, but actually, yeah. you know, it's it's actually, in many ways, not true for a lot of women. And when I think about what my do you own mean career, in terms of they don't I, believe that? Yeah, and yeah. that it also makes it harder. Yeah, you know, and and you know, so much has changed for the better for women, but so much has stayed the same. Yeah, and I still think the idea that you can, uh, you know, pigeonhole people. 
you know, if someone's sort of nerdy with glasses, that means they're clever but not sexy. Yeah. You know, and yet if they take off their glasses and swing their hair, then they can often be incredibly sexy. Yeah. You know, I, I just think that that idea of being able to to contain people into the the, the boxes, the definitions that, that, that people choose is a real big problem when it comes to women. I don't think it happens with men. No. And I like you know, that I Catherine was Ryan, earlier. the comedian, she wears glamorous clothes and does her hair and makeup. And she said, I don't see why I should have to look a certain way to be funny. It's that idea, or you're distracting men. You know, you have to fight against it all the time. Yeah. And you don't realise at the time what a, what a weight it is on your head that you're pushing against all the time. Yeah. You know, I just always thought, this is what I enjoy doing, this is what I'm going to do. And I think I was quite resilient, probably because of what, you know, you and I have talked about earlier yeah. about our peripatetic childhoods and yes. things. So I just always you're kept quite on grafter. pushing. But you do get to a point where you just think, I'm exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> I'm exhausted with trying to convince people yeah. that I am who I am. Yeah. And I feel that more at the, now that I no longer have to do it in a way. I think, right. gosh, you know, that's probably two decades that feel like five. Yeah. Because it was just that much harder and it shouldn't have been. And yes. I really don't want it to be like that for my daughter, you know. And Well, I think things are changing, which is positive. Are they? You know? I are mean, they? I think they're small shifts, but I you think... Know, the important things I still feel just aren't changing, you know. I mean, yeah. it, it's extraordinary to me that, for example, my latest, uh, you know, uh, shocker in terms of information unearthed is that medical tests, till 1993 when it was made mandatory in America, yeah. medical tests weren't conducted on women. You know, so when they were doing clinical tests for drugs, they're yeah. always conducted on men, and we were just perceived to be... So if they work for a man, let's say, so we give him 10 milligrams, yeah. and we give her seven, because she's a bit smaller, then that'll work fine. And it's only in the last 20 years that they've understood that we've got completely different physiognomy. Yeah. And, and actually, you know, so many things that women suffer from. You know, at the moment, I, I, I'm, really, I'm just about to write a piece, I think, oh, really? about a kind of... Well, I think there's an epidemic of sort of sleeplessness yeah. amongst women from late 40s, you know, early 50s up. Yeah. And it's always been dismissed as, yeah. as just, you know, menopause, if you know even that much about yeah. menopause. And I don't think it is. I think it's something different and separate. But the truth is, no one's ever looked into it. Because yeah. no one's ever looked into women's conditions as something separate from the, the, the kind of mainstream of male conditions. Yeah. And you know, those are the things that really matter. You know, yeah. equality of education, equality of, you know, health. Those are the sort of base level from which you build. And I, I kind of sometimes think we get, we're far too willing to let feminism become fashionable mm. and then unfashionable. As a slogan on a t-shirt. As a slogan yeah. on a t-shirt and, and, you know, you know, what colours it's okay to wear if you're a feminist and, you yeah. know, all of that. And then, you know, what happens is it reaches this great pinnacle as it just did, you know, a year or so ago. And then it just drops out of sight again because what we haven't done is consistently said, this is not a kind of cult. This yeah. is about equal rights. Yeah. That's all it is. It's equal rights, yeah. you know, and that covers, you, you know, on every level of diversity, gender, everything. And if we stuck to just this 
ambition to see equality in our lifetimes, it would be far better than allowing ourselves to be sort of taken over as lipstick feminists every couple of years when they're desperately looking for new headlines. Well, do you know, that's the thing. I think I've started to realise this, and it's something I've only done recently. I suspect you've been doing it for longer, but... Only because I'm older. No, it's not that. I think you've... I think... Eight years old. No. <laughs> Shh. <laughs> I think I've started to become less frightened of taking up space. Yeah, but you also get to a point where you start, um, where you start doing it almost too. Like the other night, I was at a dinner party and this man came up. And they're all terribly, more, much more like Gloucestershire than Somerset. Yeah. You don't really get that in, in, in Somerset. And he, he came over and I could see he wanted to talk to me. And he, and he said, oh, "Hello, you know, what's your name?" And I said, "Mariella, how do you do?" And he said, "I'm." Uh, and he said. Uh, so, what, do you tinker around in television or something, do you? And I said, oh, well, obviously, then you do know my name yeah. and you do know what I do, but you're pretending not to, so why would you do that? And I said, I don't tinker around at anything, to be quite honest, as you can see from the conversation we're having now. And he looked at me and it was like, oh, my God, I know which blonde she is. She's the nasty one, you know. And I sort of felt then maybe yeah. I'm too stroppy. <laughs> no, because I think it's those casual moments like that that you let slide it, because what That's happens, everyday like, sexism. That's yeah. why it was so brilliant what she did. Yeah. You know, to, to, to I call to it the Jenga say, tower because what happens is you're fine with that. You let that slide. You let the next one slide and then you have 25 incidents like that and then you end up saying to Jason, you bloody bird. Yeah. And it's got nothing to do, do with, with that. him. No, and I'm picking on him because yeah. he's the man in the room. He didn't know. call me before this and yeah. say, can you sort her out? Oh, sorry, are you all right? Come on, doggy. Um, dog, stay there. So, um, so we're home. Are we home? But we just have to so listen me, for, wait, 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 wait. We just have to listen for the cars oh, because otherwise listen. the dogs will get run over. I just need okay. to, I Come need on. to ask you. I could talk to you for hours. She's the best person <laughs> She's gone ever. on a longer walk. I know. <laughs> but um, I love all your, I think, you we also have made books fast. really accessible <laughs> as well. Because I always, sometimes, you know, I get frightened. And I think with literature, even though I did an English degree, I think, oh, God, I'm not, you know. Uh, whereas I feel there can be a lot of snobbery in the literary world, just intellectual snobbery. And I love, whenever I see you, like I've been listening to, I loved your interview with um, Kate Blanchett that you did. For, oh, for Books to Live By. Oh, it's so great. Oh, thank you. And also, your Guardian... Agony column has been going for 20 years. Oh, God. What, it, why oh, are you so brilliant at advice, though? Because <laughs> I'm a bossy eldest of five who's lived through quite a bit. Katushka, come here. You've got a stick Katushka. stuck on you. Come here, come here, come here. Come what here. do you think is the success to that? Are you good at taking advice? She's not art called after some Parisian cafe, by the She's way. She's called after Russian Missile. Thank you very much. I know that, See, you're so clever. <laughs> No, my so dad clever. was clever and I picked things up. No, you're no, clever. No, I'm clever. I'm yeah. clever. Do you see how I'm easy clever. it is? But you told clever. me that and I'm. we've done that in the moment. That's good. I'm clever. You're clever. I'm not a product um, of him. I'm clever. Let's see how your memory is there. Can you remember what you just asked me? Because I can't and I'm trying to try and answer it The Guardian you. column. Oh, yeah. Advice. We could go are to this at, bench yeah. for a minute. Are you good at, adv at taking advice? Or are um, you good at giving it? Or are you good at both? I, let me think. Let me think. I like, I like advice. Um, I'm good at taking good advice. Are you? Yeah, I do. I appreciate it a lot. I've got a couple. What's good advice really... you have? Like, what does your husband give you good advice? He gives me sort of quite, he, well, he's a lawyer. So he gives a particular kind of advice. 
see, so it's the rom-com on it's so not always oh, she's what got the human rights lawyer. I mean, that's like I want to see the waterfall. Yeah, but if it's I not... wrote that in a script, they go, they can't be a human rights lawyer and good looking. It's ridiculous. But Helen Fielding always calls him Mark Darcy. <laughs> she goes, like... oh, where's Mark Darcy today? Did you like him um, when you first saw it? No. Didn't you? Not my type. Totally what, not my handsome, type. Handsome, successful and kind. <laughs> Uh, well, successful and Which kind you all and things, maverick, yeah. but um, oh. I'd always liked really, um, yeah, the better our little oh. waterfall, I love it. Okay, Mariella's <laughs> describing this as, that's our little waterfall. <laughs> this is extraordinary. It's so beautiful. There's a bench overlooking an incredible, I mean, this garden is amazing. That's What's all, that there, Jason. Mariella? That's where that's the that was a little a little, bar, a little kind of little shed when we yeah. when we um, no I swim in there. Do you swim in the? Yeah, I mean not I when it's really would. cold, but I try. I, I feel like I should, but I don't do it now. I do it in the summer. I definitely do it. I want to put a swing up here. It'd be nice, wouldn't it? Oh, I like that because you could swing out over. I Wouldn't love, that be nice? It was sort of Marie Antoinette. You know, when she had the strange house that she had on the property he built for her. I don't think you should give people the wrong impression. <laughs> this is a small Can four I say bedroom, it's not like Versailles. Three, three gardeners' it's cottages not knocked into one. No, but the swing is very much like those languid sort of them. This is so beautiful. Go so on. go on. So what we were, were just going to say about yeah. the advice thing and you and... Oh yeah, just bossy eldest. Um, and yeah. advice, I do take advice. I think that we all go to the person that we think is going to tell us what we want to hear at any given oh, moment. Yeah, it's so true. So, so I do that quite instinctively. Yeah, um, but the best advice really, I've, I've got two, you know, oldest best friends um, who I go to, Gina and Natalie, and they really give good advice yeah do they? very different if i want to kind of cut loose and do something really stupid i'll go to natalie because she always advises that <laughs> and if i want to do the really sensible sane um and mature emotionally thing then yeah. i'll go to gina who'll pick that route and if i don't want to do anything at all i'll go to penny smith who'll just go oh it's all fine you'll be fine <laughs> Do you? I've got another thing which I always like to ask people. What do you most fear people saying about you when you leave I've a room? I've had it said. Paul Morley, honestly, about 35 years ago, yeah, yeah, he used to be like a really yeah. cool enemy. Sort of music um, enemy. I've made it up with him since, but I really did, oh, I didn't speak God, to him for about 15 years because he said I was bland. And I thought, that is just, I was devastated by it. People have said terrible things about me and it really hasn't bothered me at all. But bland. Did you hear him say that behind you your know, back? He said though? it in a piece. You know, one of those pieces yeah. where they, they don't do an interview with you, they phone up loads of people who yeah, don't know yeah, you yeah. and ask them what they think about you. And, um, and, he, and, and, and he said to me then, he, he used to write about you too a lot. Yeah. And he said to me at a party that you two's manager had, he said, I'm really sorry. I've always regretted <laughs> saying that. I don't know why I did it. And I said, it was devastating. And he said, really? Just bland? And I said, devastating. No, but I think I that's because really I always secretly feared that, yeah. I, that I'm a bit bland. No, I think that's really interesting that they said that because you're not. And I think what it's about is a woman considered traditionally beautiful who takes up space and is outspoken is dangerous. So that was an attempt to dismantle you and your power, I think. Without, on a subconscious level, I think by calling it, it sort of weirdly, I think there was intent behind that. 
I might come to you for advice in the future because you're quite wise too, aren't you? And ever I'm so clever. Ever oh, so clever. Oh, I don't want to leave. What can we do? How Dave, can we stay just here? Just stay. Just go into the little, you know, shed. Someone's bit arrived. There. Who's that? That's Dave. What does Dave do? Dreadlock Dave. Well, I'm, I'm not quite sure what he's up to today. Oh, this is better than anywhere. Oh, look, yeah, I look nice in the boots as well. <laughs> there you go, they really, really suit enjoyed you. It here. I you, wanna, you wanna get yourself a pair of those, you can probably get them tax-free because because of, for the job, you know. I've got pink hunters, Any but I think I didn't wear fine. them because I thought, oh, I can't be the Londoner turning up in pink hunters and I'm so going to So you thought you'd turn up in the black boots. designer boots. There's a, bad, there's a bad smell, isn't there? There is. I think it's the septic tank. I'm going to have to call that guy again. Oh, Jason's going to go mad. I said I'd do it while he was away. It's Ooh. not us. I think that's no, no, you no, being no, rude no. to Londoners. There's <laughs> a bad smell arrived. <laughs> Mariella, I love your dogs. Thank you very much. You've got a full gas bottle on the left-hand side. I'll and that is the one that is switched on. Okay, I'll see if it works then. I want that I to think be the final blocked. word in the podcast. Yeah. I've got a full um, bottle of gas. I know you're really busy. You're the busiest woman alive. And we've got to let you go. I, honestly, no, it's, I'm getting a train. So I'll probably be on the same train as you back oh. up to London. Are you going back up to London? Yeah. So come in. Okay. Uh, you we'll have to give me off. 10 minutes we'll to get myself ready. Oh, I love Mariella. <laughs> Honestly. Thank you very much for coming you're to visit me. You're every bit as fabulous as I hope. <laughs> oh, you're very kind. You really are. Kind and clever and wise. Oh, I'm going to cry. <laughs> I really hope you enjoyed listening to that and do remember to rate, review and subscribe on iTunes. 